Can I say I won't give it up? Ryan Cronin. Is that right? That's Cronin. right. Cronin. Cronin. You got it. I right. can't. I've I thought like I thought a last name was what I thought it was, and it was very wrong. So I didn't know it was like Cronine mm-hmm. or Cronine. It's just Cronin. purely phonetical, yeah. Cronin. Mm-hmm. Ryan Cronin. Cornin, as they like to call it when they call me for the uh, <laughs> for the uh, for the surveys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, Update on your car insurance. If they got it right, I would do it. I would answer. I would talk. Let's talk. Yeah. Well, they did a little research. Ryan Cronin, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. We have never met. That's right. And I just learned about you. Carrie Lynn spoke volumes, high praise. Not on the podcast, but on the podcast. Not on, not on quote unquote air. <laughs> no, uh, she spoke very highly of you and you've been working with her for uh, a number of years. I met her at an open mic night um, in downtown Glendale. The um, one that she was hosting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we've already gone too far. Okay. We Let's need to go, go back. We need to go back. Have the sound effects there. Ding, dong, ding. Uh, you were born in New Jersey. You can reply so to these. Say. Qu- oh, okay, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. We might learn some things today. If okay. we like, no, but New Jersey, Denville, New Jersey, single story hospital. Drove past it once. Love it. Over. Over it. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. And then doesn't you, define me, but yeah. Well, something's in the water in Jersey. Would you say? The are your folks from Jersey? The food there is a lot better. The drinking water out of the tap is amazing. Like. If you go there and get like a tomato, it's like the size of your head and it's uh-huh. so juicy and amazing. And yeah. I remember I had a sandwich there once and it changed my life in the summer <laughs> when I grew up. You it's, said you moved here when you were two. Yeah, but I would go there during the summers and the oh, food that's is right. better there. Egg rolls, sandwiches, pizzas. Uh, pizza. That's, okay. Egg rolls? I guess like maybe they've come They've gotten the technology for egg rolls in Arizona better, but this yeah. is—I'm already fascinated by this conversation. We're already talking about food. I love it. I'm not really—I'm not really giving a case for the supremacy of New Jersey hmm. in a lot of ways, but hmm. the food, I would say so. The weather, abysmal. Really? Oh, it's just too humid, or what? It's humid. Yeah. It's hot, but then when you go in the shade, you can see your breath, and you're just like, "What is this about?" Oh, that's strange. Um, so, so you're two years old and you get, wait, first of all, are your parents from Jersey? Is that where they grew up? Yeah. Well, my, my dad is from, uh, Brooklyn. I think that's what he says. Why don't you know, why is everything like a rumor about you? Where you were born, where your father was from? I mean, is he, is he, why would he bullshit you on that? I guess I just don't push him on like what he says. And I like the storybookness of it. Is there even a hospital in in Brooklyn? (laughs) And I was just, it's all, does Brooklyn even exist? Have you ever been there? No. See, this whole thing is a sham. But I heard the pizza's good. Pizza's so that, good in Brooklyn. That helps with the East Coast food. De- uh, debate. Debate. It's yeah, the East working. Coast, West Coast rivalry that we're going to get into here in just a moment. But, <laughs> all right, so your pops is allegedly from Brooklyn, your mother Patterson, New Jersey. Patterson, New Jersey. Great. So we know that for a fact. That's not, we're not debating that. We're not debating that the second biggest waterfall in the East Coast is in Patterson, New Jersey. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. I don't know why I'm bringing all these I know, facts this is when it. I I'm not the. <laughs> I'm not. It was like an early gig. <laughs> Was an early gig like giving tours of this waterfall or no, eating I don't egg know. rolls for people? I guess I'm or? just like, I have a lot of knowledge <clears throat> of approximate things. That... Okay. All right. But let's, all right. So let's, ju- let's jump ahead to you're two years old and you moved to Arizona. And you moved mm-hmm. to the west side or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my parents needed to get away mm-hmm. because they didn't have any money. So they came to Arizona for some reason. And it was a great idea because... All of our family kind of like followed us out here mm. and, you know, no, not a lot of people have gone back. So, mm. um, what does that cost of you? living? It just tells you, tells you Arizona is an awesome place for people from all over the place to just come here because they're, they're trying to look for something new. It's like mm. the proverbial going out West mm-hmm. kind of vibe. And I think that's what makes Arizona really cool. Cause it's like almost no one's really from here a lot of times, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm all about it. I feel like the desert's in my soul Hmm. and, Hmm. you know, growing up in the heat, Mm -hmm. some people get tired of it and leave and go back, but I've never been inclined to do that. Mm -hmm. Let's make it kind of hard the last couple of days. (laughs) I know shit. It's now it's, here's the thing. Like early summer, you're like, Oh, Oh man, it's hot. You know? And then it, it is fine, but it's kind of fine. Mm-hmm. It's it's the last week of August when you're like, I've had enough mm-hmm. and I just need to go away. When it's like 103 at like nine o'clock at your at night and you're just like, <clears throat> I can't escape it. Four a.m. in the morning, you're you're I'm you're sweating profusely. Anyway, I'm with you. I'm an East Coaster. I don't know mm-hmm. you don't know me from Chip down the block. I'm an, I was born in Massachusetts. I'm not going to bother you with all the details. But I will say, you know, beyond my family that still lives there, nothing is attractive to me about that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel that. And you say that the desert is in your blood. And on some level, I know I'm sweating profusely because we're just outside. I much prefer this to any winter on the East Coast. I'm just, I'm done with that weather. Yeah. You know, on a rather. I also think there's something to like the hostility and then like hmm. the refreshingness of a, like a rain, like when you're just hmm. like droughted out and then mm-hmm. the rain finally comes or something like really appreciative that we learn as desert dwellers mm. about that. And mm. it's like, I, I cling to that. Like I also have like long hair and I'll let it grow out for like an entire year and then I'll get it cut like once a year. Do the summer cut. Yeah. This, <laughs> just the summer cut. Like, <laughs> And that's that's too familiar for me to right. you know uh, not do that as well. I guess when it comes to like that refreshing feeling, right? After a long, that's interesting period of of growth, <laughs> literally, quite literally. All right, so all right, but hold on. All right, so you're you're two years old, little Ryan's running around. Can you share with me an early musical memory, like a record that your parents loved or? a radio station that you connected with or your first cassette or probably for you would be CDs or, you know, like something, a mm-hmm. very early 
a, a memory where like music had been, I'm sure, happening all around you all this time. Right. But it was when you kind of connected with an artist, maybe, or a song, or an instrument. Right. Well, probably the earliest memory that it wouldn't be like an actual like living memory, but my parents were so like passionate about music. They were like great like Grateful Dead, like deadheads. They would, my mom like followed mm. the dead and crossed the East East coast and mm. probably went to over a hundred dead shows. And mm. I was like in my mother's stomach at Nassau Coliseum, like mm. with Branford Marsalis playing with mm. the dead, which is kind of like a famous show. So that's like a memory. I like to say that it, in, it's in, in me utero. in, in utero. Yeah. Oh my God. In vitro, or yeah. Not in vitro. In <laughs> In utero. In, in utero. 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 I think there's an umlaut on the U. <clears throat> anyway, all right. So your mom was a deadhead. So yeah. that, you, that must have been, you must have had a heavy dose of the dead. A lot of the things that are musical memories were kind of like subconscious because as I got older and I started getting exposed to all these bands and songs and things like that, I, auto, I automatically already knew them. I was like, yeah, I've heard that my whole <laughs> life. That you funny? know, just playing like yeah, with blocks the or something. Yeah. There was probably like the Beatles' White Album or something, or playing. the Almond Brothers, or Jimi oh, Hendrix, or yeah. what you know. Wow! So they I were mean, very anti, like the disco, the eighties. They were kind of like they were graduated or in the eighties or product of the eighties, but like rejected that. So they're kind of like in that counterculture wow. movement, second right. coming of the hippies, I guess. Yeah, the the carryover, I would say, because, you know, all right, I'm not going to do the math. I'm terrible at math. But all right, yes, there, you know, if you were into that music in the 70s, the jam, the mm -hmm. real OG jam music, I can see why the music of the 80s was the complete opposite and why would I want to spend any time listening to it, right? I think that the great the Grateful Dead did a lot of great things for, like, influential music, but... A lot of people kind of got like hooked on that drug, if you will, and they didn't branch out a lot when it came to hmm. a lot of popular music. And mm -hmm. I think that Grateful Dead was like pretty like critically acclaimed. And even some of like the more popular music that we also love today was not like always like accepted as being cool or or acceptable because it was it was too popular. Like even nowadays, I'll love listening to like certain '80s records and. I can't show my parents that because uh -huh. they just like, they hate on it. They're and, haters and when it comes to some music in that way. It's, and your pops is the same way? Yeah. He loves like acoustic music and he likes like hard rock and stuff like that. But if it's kind of like indie or in any way, like not like in his purview of what he likes, it's like almost he can't take it it's like, too so contrived or, or, or i mean i'm trying i'm trying to get into the into the 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 kinds of music that were influencing you mm -hmm. and all right so your mom's a deadhead i get it i kind of know what that what the the spectrum of those bands look like and now your pops also into that same music but 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 also something else like yeah, they they were my dad was kind of like more of like a partier and my mom was more of like a musician. Did and either of them play? Do either of them play? My mom does play. I actually have like um some recordings that I did with 
when I was first learning how to like do recordings and she would sing like a gold dust woman, like cover or something like that. So she was like very much like the harmonizer, like when it comes to like the, the CSNY or like, or the, like, you know, the Grateful Dead or like the Pink Floyd. And she would always know all those harmonies. Uh She was, uh she would always say that, um, sometimes she always thought that the harmony was the melody Uh and she was one of those people like growing up whenever you'd said something, she knew a song and would start singing it to go along with it. Oh, like a phrase. Yeah, like if you just say a phrase, she, she would, would pick know out a the song, song. Yeah, that right. has that phrase. Right. In it. She I was, do the same thing. Yeah. Don't I, you do the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I do, yeah. My family did really like grow up singing a lot together. Like it was kind of like siblings? the Brady or whatever, the uh, the Partridge family. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have um, an older brother. We're Irish twins. He's like 14 months uh-huh. older than me. So... And then a younger sister is like eight years younger than me. And okay. we've, you know, done music some way or another, all of us. Cool. My brother was actually, I was more like into sports and stuff. And my brother was into music, playing piano. And I was kind of like always like sibling rivalry with him. He's like, oh, I can do that. I can play uh-huh. music too. Yeah. Like I don't just do sports. And yeah. like my way of getting music was just kind of like proving to my brother that I could be better than him. <laughs> I mean, I have talked at length with a number of people because I love the dynamic of having siblings. And I've said this a thousand times and I'm going to say it again to you, but the, and, and the fact that you have an eight year younger sister, she was into music probably that, that, that was like past your thing, you know, like, or, or contemporary for her, but you're like, I don't get it or whatever. And you have this Irish twin. So you're, you have this rivalry. Like I just, uh, mm-hmm. the, the dynamic, the dynamics of having siblings, especially one who plays music that drives you to do this other thing. It, it is, it is such a motivating factor and, and, a and having siblings that will kind of live in different eras, quote unquote, you get exposed to new shit and you get to decide if it's hip or not. You know, everyone gets to do that, but you at least exposed to it mm-hmm. in your home. Like sometimes you can't avoid it. Your little sister's playing it in a room. You got to hear sync or whatever it is. You know what I mean? My sister really was inspired by me because at the time where she was kind of like coming up mm-hmm. because of the age difference, I was already kind of in the throes of like learning how to write songs. Mm. And she... In that age group, it's kind of like the Gen Z thing where, like, they were all, like, Hannah Montana, like, Demi mm-hmm. Lovato, and, like, Disney Channel, all those things. And I'd be like, hey, Caitlin, let me show you how to wa- write one of these mm-hmm. silly songs that you love. Mm-hmm. And just kind of prove to her that, yeah, you can do this, you can too. Do yeah. And that really, really, like, touched her, inspired her in that way where she's yeah. like, oh, my gosh. like When you break it down, you can play all these songs mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Yeah. And impress your friends at the next sleepover or whatever. And that's what she did. And like, you know, it's not as much of her thing anymore, but I, at least as much of a terror of an older brother, I was at least had something to right. offer. Some, that that, that's the <laughs> one, <laughs> that's the one beautiful thing that I shared with my younger <laughs> sister. All right. So we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. We, we've already talked about egg rolls. So we'll take that off the table. That was one of my top questions, but Okay, beyond your mom loving that era of music and your pops doing that, like what record spoke to you as a as a young person, mm-hmm. as someone 
maybe who was interested in a musical instrument but didn't have what were there like was like was there a guitar in the house was there a piano in the house like how oh, did you get yeah. to the to an instrument well i grew up singing a lot of what i thought i was like a good singer because of growing up with like all the in sync records like boy bands and things like that it's just like our generation I started playing like trumpet and things like that, but I wasn't like inspired in by trumpet school. music. Yeah, but the one thing <laughs> <Trumpet> that music, <laughs> the, the, I love the that. classical music, <laughs> okay. I wasn't inspired by that. Like because of my influences, yeah, I remember like my parents playing like Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz, right. and like watching that. They had oh like God, they, they had it recorded. For you? They had it actually like the taped version of like Turner classic movies, like yeah. did it. So they oh. taped it and I still have the VHS to this day, like oh perfectly God. synced up, but oh I've showed God. how people, how to sync it up because it is kind of crazy. But yeah, I remember just thinking, okay, Pink Floyd, your parents Pink Floyd, it's such a weird name for a band. And then I remember thinking whenever like Pink Floyd does these things where they do the change, right? and like the music changes a little bit and then just everything about dark side of the moon to me it had not it was like nothing i've ever heard before i was just like no it's from i was so young and i was just like this is unique i remember like thinking like uh, right the right word for it fucking was when it came out you have the benefit of 33 years of existence Mm -hmm. to hear what and who pink floyd has inspired the grateful dead has inspired you have the benefit of all this Mm -hmm. history this heritage that you know you were talking about Prague earlier and none of that shit would be here without those bands no, and I don't mean to sound like a fucking boomer, it, by the way. It wouldn't lead to me being inspired to learn how to play guitar if it wasn't for David Gilmore and yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. That's still yes. one of my biggest influences. But it was the the change in uh-huh. the music. Uh-huh. I think I could sense like when things are in a key or if they're uh-huh. in 4-4 four, four or something like that, even as a young kid. And then I just heard something that was doing something different. And it made me think of emotionally different things. Huh. And that, to me, with the <laughs> Wizard of Oz going with it, was just kind of like a, you know, a potent dose of uh, art rock at, at a very influential time. And like how old I was, I was probably like nine years old. I probably wouldn't even t- pick up the guitar until two years later. I mean, but what an incredible, you know, you have a visual... You have an aural, mm-hmm. and I mean, I've, I, I, I got to be honest, I've never done that. I mean, I've heard about it forever and ever. Mm-hmm. I know it's a thing. It's a thing if you smoke weed, I think. No, <laughs> it well, wasn't when I was a kid, but like, right. I think it, it does help. <laughs> right, right. It's some sort of, something to kind of like get a little change of, of perspective. I get that. But even without it, I still feel feel like i need to experience it or with it whatever it's legal in arizona you know let's have a party but um it just it's awesome that you had that experience i want to meet your parents i want to meet your parents i want to hang with your folks oh yeah yeah that's that's never a missed opportunity
trumpet right school band. yeah, uh, yeah. That, that, and that was the, that was the instrument that whatever spoke to you or there was no there were no other instruments available and they're like ryan take yeah. the fucking trumpet please take the trumpet like we need a trumpet player that was kind of like the instrument that spoke to me couldn't get i remember like my parents would um i was actually homeschooled by the way hmm. this is kind of leading into this but my parents would, because of homeschooling group, had like certain access to certain extracurricular activities. I remember we went to the Herberger Theater for like the symphony, mm. and they had something called like the musical petting zoo where you could try out all the different instruments. Awesome. So couldn't even get a sound out of the saxophone, so huh. trumpet pretty much was where it was at. Do you think... I had a drum, but I just, I wanted something, something musical. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think... Because you had already been singing, you had a level of breath control. You know what I'm saying? Like you understood, you know, basically that your face is the aperture or whatever. Like you, you understood that breath and and how you form your lips as a singer is something, right? So why do you think you I could make a sound through the sax? Um, I and just, plus, there's too I just many don't think it's. Going on. I don't think it's really easy to tell people how to make a sound of a sax. Like when people told me how to play a trumpet, they just said go in right. the in the thing, right. and I was just like, I can, I do, can that. do that. Right. The yeah. saxophone was like something deep mm. within. Like I don't know. I still. I don't think I can still something do to this deep day. within your soul. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have to have that like uh, resonance. Saxophone. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think to this day I could do it. But yeah. um, all right, so did the trumpet for a couple years? Yeah, it was just my exposure to like learn how to read music. But and that's just the same thing that everyone really has when they go to like elementary school. And that but you was didn't. not. That wasn't what I was. It was about for me. I needed to get into you know singing again, and trumpet didn't really allow you to do that. And so, pardon me, but you said you were homeschooled, mm -hmm. but you. Some of the schools allowed you to do their extracurricular you things. Did, exactly. So you would be at home and then you would, I would literally just walk across the street because I had a school right across the street Yeah, and go to band And do school. band and yeah. like soccer and or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I did took that advantage. blow your mind 
I mean, because you're like, you know, living it at home, easy. studying at home. And then you go and like, here's a, a bunch of kids. Like, I don't really know you guys. Was that like terrifying? It was a, it was a lot better than being in school because I was actually in school for a short amount of time before I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And I think because I had emotional, whatever learning problems, it wasn't mm-hmm. a good fit for me. So mm-hmm. that's why my parents took me out mm-hmm. and I blossomed more with having more one-on-one mm-hmm like instruction and like you know good focus when like i wouldn't feel like i got left behind but mainly it was like i felt like the pressure to be like a different person socially in in school school than i did Hmm. at home i felt like in school i was gonna get like in trouble or or get in a fight or something like that. you acted out i would just yeah i mean i would act out i would hang out with people we would all like wear like Jordans and like wear like jerseys and just that was the era of like everyone was into basketball and like it was all sports at that time for me and then you know there's a certain amount of uh competition when it comes to that when you're kind of like a hot-headed kid and you're a very competitive person in, in that place like sometimes you might get yourself in trouble that your parents might try to like overcorrect when it comes to that but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I always thought myself as like super, like a normal mainstream kid that wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. And then it took mm-hmm. the homeschooling and some of the, mm-hmm. just like the things that my brother was doing to kind of bring me out of that. And I realized, Oh, I'm, I'm actually kind of a smart kid when I thought I was like a bad student, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. was your brother homeschooled as well? Yes. And my brother was quite a bit smarter than me at that point too. So I had that like kind of inferiority complex about if I'm either smart or if I'm going to be like into sports or think like that. There was like kind of like a duality in that. Like Uh you can't be both when you're in school. When you leave school, they say, no, it's cool to be smart. (laughs) Right. Right. In school, it's not necessarily cool to be smart. And then my parents put me back in school at a certain point when they found a school that they thought would be like that good influence. So Uh it's kind of uh, something where I never really missed out on the social aspects because you were still still going back to to go into school and extracurricular stuff and hang with with kids from the neighborhood and stuff like that. But yeah. And what grades, what grades were you homeschooled? I was uh, homeschooled from third to sixth grade. So three years. Huh? Interesting. And then I went back during middle school and high school. I have a, actually a, a very similar experience to really? you. Yeah. Um, my folks, you know, I went to public school up until sixth grade. That's when in sixth grade, that's when it was decided if you had the aptitude to learn another language. So in seventh grade, you would start French or Spanish. Mm-hmm. Sixth grade, they determined this public school that I didn't have the aptitude to learn another language and my parents knew that I did have this ability to learn other language because I was already learning French and and just just starting with German right mm-hmm. and uh and also I love to sing and I didn't get into the school choir mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I, I mean I, I've been singing for you know, in my mind, whatever. I was probably, ter- I'm most likely, no, a thousand percent I was terrible. But my folks said, we need to put him in a school 
that sees this. So yeah. they put me in a private school for three years, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Completely changed my life. And, I, you know, it's like you put a kid in a setting where their skills are uh, celebrated and, 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 and uh, nurtured. Holy shit, like what happens, you know? Yeah. And then I went back to public school after that. But it was a, you know, shout out to the parents. That's that, what I was going to say. Like, you shout know, out to your parents for seeing, for seeing that, that, that you, need, that, first yeah. of all, the need. And like, no, we know. He we, he speaks French at home, and I'm not like fluently with with my parents all the time, but like he can get it, he understands mm-hmm. it, he hears it. You know. Anyway, that's interesting. All right, so you go back to public school. Do you go into band? Like, and and is it still trumpet? I went back into public school, and I wasn't doing any music really. I was just kind. I'm kind of like trying to survive going back to school in that social environment again. Yeah. Like, I kind of went back to the thing where got me in trouble before and like clockwork it started happening again where i was starting to get in trouble again and i made real uh friends with the school psychologist oh yes of the troubles (laughs) i had but you know there's certain outlets that you really don't have at that age and like i think that once i got in high school i started like playing football and then like started you know exploring you know like music and like smoking pot and then like i just kind of find found myself and i was just like yeah i'm done with all this like headache when it comes to trying to like fit in socially with other people or trying to please people it just kind of just i grew out of that and i did kind of luckily have some outlets that like you know being in a band and and hanging out with different friends like skater kids and and getting into trouble and doing things that like kind of helped me like realize like, yeah, it's not, it's, I would mean, I was playing football and like trying to make my parents happy, like being like some like jock. And at the same time, like I was like getting in trouble and like hanging out with the skater kids and like the football kids weren't my friends. So it was just huh. like, and you think that playing football would make them proud or do you think that what? I think it did. Oh, really? Which, which, because when I finally did quit football, because I had like some cu- concussions and stuff like that, I always felt like there was some type of like, uh, like drop off when it came to like how proud they were of me. Huh. But I do love the fact that playing football and doing all those things like physically, like gave me such a good work ethic and uh-huh. discipline when it came to a lot of things. So I always kind of, crave that i always craved sports and things like that to regiment yeah something that like i know sucks but makes me feel like accomplished like pushing yourself to practice or doing something like that yeah it's definitely translatable right i mean yeah you know you you go to football practice five times a week you're gonna get good at it you know Mm -hmm. you practice the guitar five times a week you're gonna get good at it like it it's a similar mentality i would say if you're if, if people like me where I can't really focus on anything unless I'm like passionate about it, that's what happens. You just mm. give it all into that one thing. I think I was like kind of obsessed with like going into the weight room and training, and but I was also like when I started playing guitar, which was before I went to high school, like I wouldn't stop playing the guitar for you know I would probably practice like four or five hours a day. Mm-hmm. So mm. by the time I was like thirteen, I was like. To me, I was like a quote unquote prodigy because I had like <laughs> learned every single CD my parents had. Right, right. Like, you right. know, 
by ear right and had no lessons yeah. but i mean that's that's incredible i had such an interesting family dynamic though that i say that i didn't have lessons but i really did because my parents kind of like the hippies they they were they had friends that like lived in our house <laughs> okay yeah like that lived in our <laughs> extra rooms and would teach me how to play guitar like yeah teach me how to play all the like cowboy chords with my yeah. eyes closed literally don't look at your hands yeah and uh, or Man. show me how to do the pentatonic scale huh. like to like neil young songs or something like that or decade i had like the decade book hell yeah did your musical taste change in high school um it it definitely evolved into being something where i think it I had a lot of angst and Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, this this is my point. Yeah. When you, you know, angsty teenagers finally find their own thing. What was your thing where you're like, it's not my mom's music. It's not my pop's music. Mm -hmm. This is my music and it fits my fucking mood right now. The thing that most inspired me, I think to getting into like writing songs was listening to music, like audio slave and deftones and, and tool and rage against the machine like things that i could just like put in my ipod and mm-hmm. just like walk around and like feel like a badass and like look around and be like no one understands me you know <laughs> i'm totally misunderstood but like i'm I, the first angsty teenager to ever walk this planet rage against the machine yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Like I kind of been like writing songs all my life. Like I remember when I was a young kid, I like copied some like country song off the radio and like turned it into a song. And then my grandma like recorded it on her like tape machine, like beside her bed. And it was like popsicle dreams or something. It was like about like fences, like fences that were made out of popsicle sticks or something. Like I was a kid. And then like I was writing songs for like my mom for mother's day. But when I got to teenage years, I was like, oh, I can't write songs. So I was listening to like Deftones and I was like, he kind of just says a couple words and sings it real cool sounding. And then huh. like, I'm like, I'll just start with like doing that. And then as huh. soon as I started writing, I was just like, it was just pouring off the page. It was more of like the Maynard, like uh, stream of consciousness like, or it, it was more of like, it was never like love songs or anything. It was like always like something like spiritual or like something like uh self-reflective in that way like huh. i don't think i ever got into like writing love songs or something that was like pop in that way uh-huh. and to huh. this day i don't think that it, i can do it huh. <laughs> i could force myself to do it because i know how a song works but right i i don't even like yeah i don't even relate to music that's not like trying to like speak about things that's kind of like the struggle or the internal thing that's going on or the external thing that's going on that's trying to like bring awareness to something or 
trying to relate to people. Do you inst- do you still enjoy the Grateful Dead? I the Grateful Dead to me, I would probably say is one of the most like culturally inspire like inspiring bands and to me they're like purely American. Yeah. There's something really like quintessentially American about the Grateful Dead. Um the relationship between like Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter the uh-huh. the poetry and the music that they wrote to me is like kind of a cornerstone of a lot of like counterculture and and art that inspired everything after the 60s. So I've gone to see like Dead and Company and Wait, like did you and go to for, Phoenix? Uh, not this year, but uh, I did last year, and I told myself I wouldn't go this year because last year I sat in line like for like it was like a mile long line. I was just like, okay, I don't like yeah. Grateful Dead this much, but right. but yeah, I mean, I have a massive appreciation appreciation for Grateful Dead and every member of that band. And Jerry Garcia is still probably if you hear me play is like huge influence on me like david gilmore like jerry garcia kurt cobain it's all there huh Huh. interesting that you put those three in the same bucket you know because Mm -hmm. there's three so like gilmore to me is super melodic methodical planned intentional kurt cobain is fucking who knows let's just go shit's out of tune it's it's power. Jerry Garcia is finesse and and articulation facility and, and facility. And, yeah. Wow. I mean, if those three, but if those three are your guitar guys, like you're off yeah. to a, an incredible, like holy yeah, shit, and the like world. Tom is, York and like yeah, oh, those, those are kind of like my guys. When Johnny it comes Greenwood, to, right? I mean, right. So, next question: uh, If you were to pick like. Uh, from the era of the Deftones and Rage, like what would a song be that really meant something to you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, or a record or an album, you know. There was an album at that time uh, that I was listening to a lot of and by the Deftones, and it was the um, Saturday Night Wrist album. And it just came out. I think that was like... That and if I could say another one, because at that time it was like huge when that came out was uh, the Mars Volta mm-hmm. album, Bedlam and Goliath. Mm-hmm. And like we were just obsessed with like reading about it because there was like all these stories about how they got like a Ouija board from like Jerusalem and then all these things were going wrong and like the studio flooded and they lost all this material. And it was like, when the album finally came out, there was so much like built lore. up. Yeah, there yeah. was so much lore behind it. And then I would start like listening to the album and it was just almost no one even liked it because it was so it was one of those things where people weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. They just say like a new drummer, which was Thomas Pridgen, which is like a really, really high paced gospel drummer. And like, I don't think people were really ready for that, but I just started listening to the lyrics and started being influenced by like, Hey, these lyrics are poetry that are trying to make you feel vulnerable. They're Mm -hmm. trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I was Mm -hmm. going through things in my life that I needed that. I needed someone to say music and art is kind of, visceral experience when you push yourself to feel vulnerable and you don't feel like comfortable. And I think Mm. that the lyrics in that really 
inspired me to be like, hey, music can give you this experience and then drugs can give you this experience and all these different things can kind of make you ready to deal with the things that mm-hmm. you are going on in your life, which is whatever anyone's probably going on in their life at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would probably say uh, th- a lot of the music that I make kind of like stems from the influence that I had in during that time, like whether it's like progressive or it's trying to push the boundaries of uh, like lyrical content to be like poetic or not natural, like not naturally like kind of poppy. And then, I would say that the newer stuff I've been doing kind of flips its head on that and like Mm -hmm. completely once you kind of make that music, you kind of you get it out of your system. (laughs) But if if you had to if you had to pick one, like pick a rage tune Mm -hmm. that you like just is that moment for me. I think I used to. So I used to drive around in my Buick like and I would. You know, it was your first car in school or something like that. And I would just put on the first track of uh, Evil Empire, which is People Bull. of the Sun. Oh, People of the Sun. I was going to say Bulls on Parade, but People of the Sun. Yeah, yeah, that's the... And I think that song won a Grammy, too. Because it's just... Or I don't know exactly what happened, but I would kind of like think i was cool by like leaving the school parking lot by like blasting people of the sun hell yeah and like just talking about desert like dwellers (laughs) and stuff like that like yeah i i felt real cool when i did that in my buick park avenue leaving like pretty privileged (laughs) school (laughs) pretty like privileged situation i played football like right it's everything like you hear about people like a little figured out that raging machine were like political right right right. um and i know it's it's hard to 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 do this but and maybe the maybe the question is like what's your favorite era of the dead Ooh, i would say the that's too hard of a question because there's certain how do you define piano it? players? Yes, that, so the, the right. piano players like right. kind of speak to me what era it is because yes. they had so many of them. Yeah, I really like recently. I'll say I like listening to the Bruce Hornsby recordings of Grateful Dead, which was in like the early '90s. Yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of like live at Giant Stadium. Like, okay, those are things I'm into when it comes to the dead. Um, but also, I would say I really like their kind of acoustic. Like right now, I'm really into like Tony Rice and Bluegrass. So I would say like kind of their acoustic with like uh, my favorite album is probably American Beauty. My Grateful Dead was like the acoustic and David yeah. Christman and yeah. and Tony Rice. And yeah, that's probably where I'm at now. Like my influence is like I've been playing almost exclusively acoustic guitar. Mm. And I just on Sunday with Carrie like mm. took my strat and like my my Vox out and, and it feels like my pedals. To, I like had to, to put my pedals together. <laughs> I love it. Did you wake up this morning ready to take on your day? Or did you find yourself hitting the snooze button a couple of times? A restful night's sleep can help you get back in the swing of things. And Silentium's proprietary blend of ingredients helps you sleep better, snore less, wake rested and enjoy your day. Salentium Plus, available on our website, www.salentiumplus.com. That's www.s-i-l-e-n-t-i-u-m-p-l-u-s.com. 
And here's a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Silentium is offering a buy one, get one half off. Just use the promo code BRIAN when you're checking out. Silentium. Sleep better, snore less, wake rested. Habit of after Grand Budapest Hotel and I mean, just kept running with it. Life Aquatic still. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's that, my favorite. It's my favorite. The best cast. I mean, I loved, you know, all, uh, the movies prior to that. But Life Aquatic was when Wes Anderson clicked for me. And something about Bill Murray, <laughs> Bill Murray fucking destroyed that movie. It, in a such a beautiful way, he was perfect for that role. And I heard that Tom Hanks, like Bill Murray, wasn't available for this last one, and so Tom Hanks basically played the role of Bill Murray, <laughs> which is kind of a trip because you, I'm you look you're looking it's like I know that that's Tom Hanks, but I also know that that is Bill Murray. <laughs> It's always written for Bill Murray. Yeah, right. No, exactly. <laughs> with those movies that have like the quintessential crew of people, like yeah. it also reminds me of like Christopher Guest movies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's everyone, an ensemble piece. Yeah, I love that though. Yeah. Because, well, Wes Anderson and Christopher Guest, they have like the best talent. And yes, and they will sign up when, when Wes Anderson calls, you say yes. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. When Christopher Guest calls you you say yes and he's getting like new talent in like his last movie had um timothy chalamet which is kind mm. of like mm. he's, he's carrying the torch now he, for he's like awesome kind of like a new leading man kind of vibe that generationally like you think of leading men as being like a different like cut but now it's like you know the leading man looks different or acts yeah. differently and yeah which is a different face to this thing that you kind of already know, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. um, where were we? Oh, all right. So after high school, you do, you go right to Glendale community college. Yeah, I was doing like, we we're talking about on the porch. I was doing like the punk ska thing. Our band was called the Johnny come lately's. Do you have any recordings of that? Uh, I think we did, but MySpace like literally just deleted everything. So I think I had like so much stuff that was just living on MySpace, mm. like thinking that would be there forever and never mm. like published it on Spotify or anything like that. Got but you. yeah, I mean that might be completely lost, but um there is probably YouTube stuff out there. But I'll what is it in. called? Johnny Come Lately. The Johnny Come Lately is yeah. Okay. I like stole that name from the old brother Johnny were all thou movies. That's an Eagles tune. No, I wasn't into the Eagles. At new tune, new <laughs> kid in town. No, it was I like in old brother. In <laughs> old brother were out thou. He's just like, we can't do that, you idiot. We'll look like a bunch of Johnny come latelys. And I was like, that's it, man. That's it. That's it. But all right. No, I, when I got out of high school, I knew I wanted to go to school for music because yeah. uh, I wanted to learn how to compose i wanted to like be a film composer all this different things that i you know my goal was to do and the only thing you could do is learn classical guitar so i went there and just like started playing classical guitar gave up playing in bands nylon. i forgot how to plug in a a pedal board <laughs> yeah nylon yeah playing like reading music and i did pretty good at that because i was already you know 
in my mind too good for that or something uh-huh. so i was just like <laughs> i just gotta get through this i'll get to music school i'll go to berkeley or something like that you know <laughs> but um yeah I, I did the classical guitar thing and i think like the first year i did it i like did the guitar competition and got like third or something for classical guitar and then I started doing jazz and like and uh studying under like Dave Schmidt um and started playing a lot of gigs and busking and hmm. jazz stuff with a duo which was like a tr- trumpet player who I used to play with his name was Matt Crow. We used to go by 2 cents and we just take a lot of just cool jazz or um kind of like rhythm changes or or you know even pop tunes and just kind of jam them out or busk them and and make money and what in what sorry what year was this probably like 2009 mm-hmm. 2010 kind of like at the height of like i was in the carry line like that was like the height of the recession like we had like no money and we're just yeah. like eating like two dollar 99 cent pizza from pizza patron across the street like <laughs> you know living on your own at this point or what well i was living with my parents but i had to they lived in Surprise, so I Surprise. super far west, yeah. <laughs> so I had to like basically I like lived out of my car pretty much because right. I had to get all the way to the west side, and then you know you can't just go back anytime you want. You had right. to work and yeah, and pay for gas. And so like, so tem- so describe uh, two thousand and nine. So describe those years for me. What does it kind of look like? And wh- what do you, did you have a day gig? Mm-hmm. What do the gigs look like? And who are you playing with? And 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 what is the style of music that you're doing? It was pretty ideal when it came to being a college student because I had a gig where I was like working like the before and after school program with like kids, just making sure they did their homework or play like basketball with them. And then I would do that before and then I would drive all the way to college, study really hard, practice every day, music school. So it's like you have to practice really hard and And then I would work after that. And and the program is good? GCC was the best music program that they had as far as a, a community college. Mm-hmm. So better than MCC, better than SCC. It was apparent that, that that was a case according to the music competitions where like a lot of times for guitar, GCC and a lot of other things would just sweep. Uh-huh. They would sweep the music competition. Gotcha. So it was a better education that a lot of people say that they got at NAU or ASU. Mm-hmm. I think ASU is like a little bit better. Like Herberger school of music is supposed to be really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, I that, the- that's what it was. It was just practicing, working. And for, in my case, I was partying a lot mm-hmm. and that wasn't really a good, <laughs> I wasn't a very good student. Like, I don't <laughs> think I was like, as much as I was passionate about like music, I <laughs> probably like took a w and or, or uh, an l if you will in like a, a lot of other classes yeah. a w would be like a withdrawal <laughs> but, all right so how do you or how do you transition out of that but but describe like this that that duo and and where would you busk i mean like i can't imagine busking in phoenix so we would busk uh, a lot of times in front of like the modified arts mm. during first Friday, mm-hmm. like I would literally like bring like a hundred foot like extension cord and plug in like a speaker like on the side 
you know, and just run it from the side of Modified Arts. And I probably walked by you. Right. Just uh, at that probably time. played like Saints Go Marching In like <laughs> 10 times to get money. Like, I think we were like, we were like making a lot more money than we probably got in paid gigs sometimes by really? just busking like $80 an hour or something like that, which is pretty cool. And the trumpet helps because, you right. know, you can hear it. It cuts. It yeah. cuts through. But yeah, we would play at like Glendale Glitters. We would play at coffee sounds shops. Like, that sounds like We'd a play strip club. Glendale Glitters. <laughs> yeah, Glendale <laughs> Glitters is like a, it's like a Christmas festival with like lights. So we would go down there. So and, it's a it's a it's bust. a Christmas themed yeah. strip club. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! You yeah. see her on the pole. Yeah. Uh, all right. So North Pole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, it wasn't the South Pole. We all know this. So. How do you transition from that sort of life to this situation now? Good question. I mean, that's a, a a really different time in your life when you kind of are comfortable with like partying, like couch surfing. And now fast forward when I'm kind of settled down, like I just got married like a year ago. Congratulations. Just got a do- oh, thank you very much. Yeah. And, and just had a birthday. And just had a birthday and just had like a dog. And now I'm just like kind of like you just working had a dog? full time. Yeah, I just birthed a dog. Damn. You look good though. It's <laughs> like you can't even tell. <laughs> oh yeah. It was uh five pounds. No, I was <laughs> um no it's a lot different life. I mean you're trying to still I think a lot of musicians they don't say like, Oh, it's a hobby or they don't say it's a job. It's their passion. So they're just, even if they're making money off of it, which, you know, definitely you have to get to that point where you're, you're being paid for your skills and everything. But it's one of those things that you just pursue it no matter where you're at in your life. And even though I'm at a point in my life where it seems like I'm going over like the hill of like settling down or going over the hill of what music used to be for me. It's just like, it pulls you back in. So that's the cool thing about music that I've always thought is that a lot of people, when they think about musicians or music, they think like, Oh, we have enough of that. Like if you think of like, if you're on Spotify, how much music is on Spotify and how many people or artists people actually listen to, well, when it comes to music, how it really works is there's not enough musicians in the way that music is part of like kind of the cultural like landscape of every town and every city and everything. So that's where I try to embrace that to make sure I'm putting something into the community and still reaping the benefits of being in that community where it's like friends that influence you or, or have the like-minded thoughts. So going from music school and playing gigs for a living to getting a nine to five job, but still doing music and releasing albums and, and putting shows together and planning and promoting all those things. You can do that and you can reach new levels of your life or new milestones. But if you're still passionate or like pursuing that, you're going to find a lot of like-minded people around you. And that's, where you're going to make sure you have like friends and that's what is super needed after like when we're all done with a pandemic, all a lot of Mm. venues shut down and we're not necessarily motivated to pursue the art projects that you might've thought had like a audience or a place, but 
just kind of getting back into that and remembering like, oh, these people are still in the community trying to pursue it because it's their passion. That's where it's like, this is where my friends are. So it's instinctual to a lot of us, right? What is a hobby? What is a passion? What is a livelihood? What is a career? Like, however you negotiate those things, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where it falls within those five things or four things. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's whatever brings you joy, right? Whatever makes you happy, whether, you know, you define it as a hobby and you have a day gig. All right. That's one way. That's one approach. You can define it as a career, but it's still a passion. That's one approach. You know, like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how you define it. The thing that matters is that you're making it and that you're doing it. And let's, I mean, let's be real. At the end of the day, however it is you need to do it, you need to make enough money to support yourself. So call it what you fucking want. Mm. Call it a passion. Call it a hobby. Call it a career. It doesn't matter. Have fun, A. And B, keep the lights on. I mean, that's it. So we skipped over some shit. Um, You met Carrie... Lynn Van Winkle. Hey, Carrie. Uh, you met her at GCC when she was doing the, the open mic. Mm-hmm. And you started working with her at that point? or um, She gave me an opportunity to get back into being a singer-songwriter and mm. sharing the things that I was still... I still had a lot of material and songs that I wanted to share. And I needed to get my chops back when it came to that. And Hmm. her open mic night was, you know, a godsend when it came to having the community that, Mm -hmm. that was at GCC have like a safe space to kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, exercise some of the things that we were learning. So I think that a lot of people were drawn to it for that reason. Like I met my wife there and come on success story. That's what I'm talking about. So, um, and so you, you didn't necessarily consider yourself a songwriter, prior to that moment or I was putting it on the back burner because I was studying Mm -hmm. music and I was composing music in a different way where it wasn't songwriting based you with the you with a guitar I was like scoring things or like you know writing jazz charts and and I had written a whole you know albums Hmm. worth or more of songs in high school Hmm that were like either like Scott Punk or, or singer songwritery or like Bob Dylan esque or progressive in a lot of different ways. So I did, I did consider myself when I went to music school more of an artist than a musician. Hmm. And I felt like there was kind of like a distinction between learning the art of being a musician to aid your kind of uh, tools as an artist and I thought that, oh, I have to go to music school so I can learn the rules so I can break them instead of I was already breaking them and I didn't really know for what reason or another right. way. But right. being a songwriter was something that I thought that was going to set me apart when it huh. came to being a musician. So if you have like a, someone who's good at guitar, that's like a dime a dozen. But can you sing and do harmonies and write songs and do things like that? That's to a me, whole other gear. To me, I was like, yeah, that's probably where I can like aid and, and in 
that the open mics, I had my chance to like flex that muscle and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is me as an artist. Hmm. Hmm. But hmm. when I was playing the jazz stuff, like with the, that was like me making money. <laughs> like, right. Oh, so you made money as a jazz? Yeah. Well, that's what I was doing at the time after I stopped working at like the, when, after I stopped going to school and like my scholarships ran out and stuff like that. And I stopped working with the after school kids program and stuff like I was doing music full time and I wasn't doing like amazing. Like I think it caused me a lot of anxiety cause it was like something I love so much, but I had to compete with a lot of people. I also like thought were friends and, and there's so much weight in, in that thing, right? It, mm-hmm. You're taking, you know, as we were just talking, you're taking a passion and what maybe was a hobby, maybe it was something that you studied in school and maybe you were semi-professional with it in the sense that you made some money from it sometimes. I don't mean your your skill level, but and now you're negotiating. Th- mm-hmm. If this is my life, if this is my life, it's just, if this is how I pay the bills, what do I need to do? You know, and how but how do I flex, you know, the, the art and the commerce and how do mm-hmm. I make them all play nice together and make a living and yeah. be happy as someone who creates. I was so young at the time that I really didn't feel like I had the, uh, like the, the drive or the, or the hmm. initiative to make that happen. So I kind of always felt comfortable with like working like a nine to five or doing something to where I could support myself, mm-hmm. which is, it's always feels like when you're a musician, you kind of want to get back to the point where you're, you're, you're doing it for a living, but you, you're struggling because you spend so much time a day just working something mm-hmm. else. By the time you get mm-hmm. off work, you're just like, oh, I don't have energy to yeah, do you're, this. You're tapped out. People, to me, I would literally have to like quit my job and just like force myself to do it. But I think right. that you know, I would probably have a lot more of a adult perspective on that and like being able to like sell myself in in, in that way. But it's just. It, it just depends on if you're comfortable jumping off a ledge to make mm. sure that music is that way. I think some people have to do that. And mm. some people kind of are comfortable kind of straddling the line between what's just a job and what's your life in that way. And, the, and there's, no, there's no shame in it, right? There's no shame yeah. in working a day gig to support your passion, mm-hmm. right? You know, you might not love the desk job, and I did it for a number of years, to get my feet on the ground. Yeah. I was writing all the time, and I was working on the weekends. There's no shame in, like, I need to be financially stable before I literally fucking jump off this cliff into yeah. this abyss that I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is that's what I want. And so... Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's this process. It's a give and take. It's a, it's a, you're negotiating on a on a week basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis. A, do I have what it takes? B, do I have the resources? C, am I financially stable? I mean, there's so many things at that moment that you are negotiating, mm-hmm. and we've all done it because I mean, I, I, I mean, fuck if I know one person who has never had a day gig. That is the exception. Yeah. Normally, you work to a place where you feel comfortable enough. You've 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 learned your talent. You've done the open mics. You've you've done some gigs, 
you've been working, making, you know, you have a steady paycheck every two weeks, I get this much. You know, that's just how it fucking is, you know. But that leap of faith, which is is such an exciting moment, it's terrifying, it's exhilarating, mm-hmm. it's it's like, fuck, I mean, I don't know. I, I might have to go back in two weeks and get the same fucking gig, you know, but I don't I don't know yet. I I just but I'm gonna do it. You know, like that focus, that energy, that it just it I don't know, it's awesome when I you know, I, I like to think back on that moment. And not to sound like a fucking dick, but it was a it was a minute ago, and I haven't had to think about it for a minute. But I do remember that moment. I know exactly where I was. I remember exactly what my rent was, and I had a dog, and I knew exactly what I made, and it was fucking tight, bro. And mm-hmm. it was a, and it was a fucking leap of faith. And I'm so glad I fucking did it. Yeah, and if if it's tight, it's probably going to be a trade off because you might never look back because that's what you're that's what you're wanting in your life you don't want to devote eight hours of your day doing something to you that you wouldn't even think about even like trying to get better at or something like that's like so at one point are you actually growing in your life when you're just like trying to stagnate there like and then when does that translate to what's happening with your music or when does that translate to where you're okay or you're satisfied with the gigs that you're getting on the weekend and you like mm-hmm. miss the court or you mean like, like you don't have the, you don't have kind of the danger of this is, this is all I got. You know, if you have the danger of like, this is what I have to do to support myself. I feel like you, ha- and you have the time and the energy to make sure you don't fuck it up. Tell me about how you stay creative during the pandemic. Um, yeah. So when the pandemic came, we were all kind of looking for a way to keep like working together where, and we kept like sending each other like files and we would just like pull in a pro tools and we would pull up our like OBS rigs and try to learn how to do live streams. And I got really into watching like live streams with like Kenny beats and like learning how to make beats and Pro Tools and Ableton. So I was just like, okay, this is what is going to be not only the way that I kind of adjust, like to make sure I'm still able to share my stuff and get out there because it's all going to be switched to the internet now. But it showed me a different like creative process to write songs. And to me, I think that that's probably the most instantaneous form of creating now is using those like tactics I learned. So I would just learn how to like put, you know, beats together in pro tools or Ableton. And then I started calling my friends to get them to send me like drums and just like turn it into a loop or a baseline. And I did a couple of those things where I kind of learned how to do that and then, um, learned how to do like live stream. And then, um, I think that was an exciting time for everyone to learn how to get the new skills that I think that are still Mm. applicable today. Mm. But I think that some people didn't necessarily see the same uh, or feel the same um, satisfaction as they did because they were just used to performing all the time. So I was, I was fine with like both sides of that. So like I would, like I put a couple of tracks together under a project that, 
And then I help some people produce their own music and kind of work with some people in the studio. So that's how I responded to it was just learning how to hone in my chops in something that I've been doing since I was like 16 years old, which is like using a DAW or using. Mm -hmm. um, And and, and the name of that project is Crony. C-R-O-N-I and they can find it on Bandcamp something that I wanted to show my ability to do that but I kind of wanted it to be like the idea of having like a renaissance man type of platform that not only just music but you could do like what a lot of people think is fun which is like food and and travel and things like that I think like kind of the the influencer can span more than just a single genre. And those are the things Mm -hmm. that I found myself being passionate about all those. I was like, why can't I just kind of mix all that in one? So Hmm. when you use like Instagram, which is, I just made like an Instagram for it. I was really saying, Oh, this is going to be my way of like having a space where I can do all these things. Hmm. And then what is that? What is that space? It was going to be the crony space, but what happened is, is that I kind of, because of everything's changing during the pandemic and like people's mental health, I think that I distanced, I started distancing myself from social media Mm. and that's more of where I'm at today where I've found more of a peaceful feeling in the way I'm living my life by kind of like disappearing out of the social media realm. So that project never really took off in the way that I wanted to, but that's the idea behind it. That if I did do it, the, the internet or the social media thing, that's what I perceive it to be would be like more of like a Renaissance man type of thing instead of just like just a musician or or just that type of project. So, Mm -hmm. and the crony, I think I released uh, two tracks through that, and now I'm doing like stuff with more stuff with like Carrie Lynn, and then I'm playing in a band called Good Juju, which is kind of like like unplugged, uh, like MTV unplugged, but like all the different music of that time. So I'm kind of getting back into a lot of different projects, but the crony was my attempt after my band Terrafractal to kind of set myself in like a solo 
position at like mm. during mm-hmm. post or, or pre and then post pandemic. Right. So right. that's still on the table. It's just one of those things where now with all the different projects and then me kind of coming out of the social media space just right. for personal reasons is kind of like left hanging in that way. I love the idea. And this was actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast was I just wanted to talk to creative people, whether they were writers or chefs or visual artists or musicians. I love a space that celebrates specifically, I mean, specifically the the creative population here in Phoenix, but I've also been very fortunate to, to rap with people in other parts of the country, but I love a space that celebrates all of those things. So Mm -hmm. whenever that does come online, uh, please let me know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what is, what's upcoming for you? What are you excited about? What's uh, on the horizon right now? I'm, I'm doing a project with my family friends. It's called good juju. So we're trying to get, some of these kind of more like nostalgic songs from the nineties, like kind of like unplugged in a way out there. Cause I think that there's a really good, uh, experience for people to have. So the set list that we curated is really good to have like that nostalgic kind of like unplugged feeling. So I'm excited for that to kind of get more popular and more gigs with that. I'm excited for Carrie Lynn, music because i've been playing with her for so long and she's you know have having some of the prospects to you know go to nashville or or record an album and and try to put a single together so that's on the horizon at at that time now and then i just play like a weekly gig at tawar wine bar next month so i just like to get out with there her and, or no just me oh, yeah. and cool. i just share my songs and play some of uh the tunes that um allow me to express myself every week and and get out and have a good time so hats off to them for having me so those are that's what's really going on right now i'm playing um a little mini tour with um marcus rushmore his band Mm -hmm. let alone we're going down to tucson and bisbee so we'll be having a good time this weekend so oh that's this weekend that's Mm -hmm. awesome man so well marcus is is good people carrie lynn is good people and you are now officially good people. Cheers. I mean, I don't know about officially, but <laughs> it's nice to finally meet you. Uh, for sure, yeah. I heard a lot about Thanks you for having me. through Carrie. Shout out to uh, the Dutch uh, Dutch redneck. Uh, hope to see you. Hope to see you play sometime soon, and and potentially collaborate. I think that'd be fun too. I mean, we have we share a lot of musical influences so it'd be fun to yeah it sounds like that could be definitely on the horizon (laughs) (laughs) and and happy birthday thank you appreciate it 21 looks good on you homie i'm three years old everybody (laughs) you're back in fucking new jersey all of a sudden (laughs) it's benjamin button time (laughs) appreciate your time thank you cheers all right